It's Natty by Natty, baby. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Naughty by Natty. By yours truly, Miss Natalie Rose. And I am your host today. Um, so, it's been a couple weeks since I released that last episode and that's because um I don't really have a a really good answer except for the fact that I just didn't feel like doing any episodes to be honest got burnout and antisocial and yeah so here soon maybe maybe not don't know how soon i will have more bands and people guests it's just a matter of time and lots and lots of preparation um yeah but um of course today as always we're gonna talk about sex stuff um I'm going to find a story, a random story to read, and we'll just go from there. Let me see. Let's say, this may take a minute, guys. egg sex so let's fucking see what this <laughs> is all about because I am curious so alright and this is from everything you know about sex is wrong by Russ Kick alright let's see And this short story is by Susie Bright. <coughs> Excuse me. Alright. I am reading this for the first time as you are. So hopefully it's not fucking boring. Because I already feel like it's going to be. Alright, let's see. Let's see if it's good or not. In 1966, when I was eight years old, my mother gave me a little pink book, A Baby is Born. In great detail and with lots of close-ups and diagrams, it described exactly what a sperm and egg look like and how they join together. With subsequent portraits of the developing fetus, how did the sperm meet the egg to begin with? The book said simply, Mommy and Daddy love each other very much. They lie close together, and after performing intercourse, the sperm is on its way to fertilize the egg. There was no accompanying diagram, so I made what was probably my first earnest attempt to read between the lines of any piece of literature. I gleaned nothing. Twenty-five years later, I was pregnant, and this time I went out and bought my own collection of pink and blue books, bulging with instruction for prospective parents. 
Of course, there was a great deal to learn about fetal development and breastfeeding techniques, but I couldn't help but check each index under sexuality during and after pregnancy. All the manuals from Dr. Spock to the latest yuppie know-how followed an almost identical script, Mommy and Daddy Love Each Other Very Much. Following this vein, the paragraphs on sexuality gave advice that was inexplicable, vague, and almost threatening in their avoidance of the nitty-gritty. Steeped in a romance novel notion of marriage, sexual advice to pregnant moms, whether revealed in print or in the strange silences at the doctor's office, give short shrift to dramatic changes in women's sexual physiology and desires. Great emphasis is placed on how to cope with the ambulant husband feelings towards his wife's body and the burden pregnancy puts on their normal sexual routine. None of these books were written in the 1960s. All of them glow with feminist and holistic approaches to mothering, supporting working moms, refuting the sexualist, sexist pre <laughs> prejudice against breastfeeding and offering all manner of enlightened, positive self-extreme for the mother to be. I began to wonder if anyone knew what went on in a woman's sexual lives during pregnancy. The most def definite statement the books managed was, sometimes she's hot, sometimes she's not. This wouldn't be the first time that traditional medicine had nothing to contribute to an understanding of female sexuality. Meanwhile, my clit started to grow. Everyone knows that a pregnant woman's breasts swell in accompaniment, don't know that word, to her belly. But why had no one told me that my genitals would also grow? My vulva engorged with blood. My labia grew fatter. My clit pushed slightly out of its hood. I was reading absolutely everything on the subject of pregnant sex by this point, and by picking out the fragments of pertinent information, I learned I was not peculiar in this regard. It's a little embarrassing to be 31 years old and finally get the message that my primary and secondary sexual characteristics are not simply for display and petting. I was being physically and psychologically dominated by the life growing inside me. And of course, I wanted both to escape and to submit. I was unusually central, sensual and amorous, and yet 20 weeks into pregnancy, I found I could not successfully masturbate the way I had been doing since I was a kid. I was stunned and a little panicky. My engorged clitoris was different under my fingers. Too sensitive to touch my, un my usual way, and what other way was there? That's when it hit me. The experts all say that it is a mystery why some women get more horny when they are pregnant, while others lose interest. I'll tell you something. No one loses interest. What happens is that your normal sexual patterns don't work the same way anymore. Unless you and your lover <coughs> make the transition to new ways of getting excited and reaching orgasm, you're going to be very depressed about sex and start avoiding it altogether. It's not just a technique change either. Feeling both desirable and protected are essential to a pregnant woman, and if protection is not forthcoming from the outside, she will build a fortress that cannot be penetrated. I no longer believe that some women don't feel sexual during those long nine months. Some are frightened by the sexual changes their growing bodies demand, but so many others confided to me. I was so hot and I couldn't explain it to just anyone. 
It's an awesome feat of American puritanism, puritanism to convince us that sex and pregnancy do not mix. It's the ultimate virgin whore distinguish, distinction. <laughs> For those nine months, please don't mention how we got this way or marry now. Your average Mary's physical transformation is quite different from an immaculate conception. A woman's vagina changes when she is pregnant, much like her vulva and clit. The lubrication increases, its smell and texture are different, often exhibiting a pregnancy-type yeast infection. Her genitals smell like a big cookie. When I fucked during my pregnancy, I felt like I was participating in a slow, elastic taffy pull. I was more passive sexually than ever before, with no ambition to strap one on or get on top or do much of anything besides take it all in and float. I was one gigantic egg cozy. Cozy, cozy. Truthfully, you don't get gigantic for at least five or six months. The advice books make much more controversy over positions for intercourse, but I didn't find positioning to be that big a deal. It's a typical of mainstream sex books to focus on positions in the masculine way one might prepare a sports manual. You can fuck on your back for a long time if you like, as long as your partner doesn't insist on collapsing upon you. Flat on one's belly is, of course, impossible after six months, but slightly turned to the side works just fine. It is often recommended that the women get on top, but as I said, I couldn't be bothered. Sex is also a crucial way to prepare for childbirth. Start with the premises, premise that birth is the biggest sex act you will ever take part in, and everything will flow from that. If you are smart and take childbirth preparation classes, you may even get a teacher who knows something about the sexual side of birth. My teacher was very subtle. She gave us an almost unreadable handout in the fourth month. An instruction sheet for an exercise called uh, perineal, perineal massage. I know I know that word, but I don't think I'm saying it right. I thought of my... Uh, Pyrenium. <laughs> Pyrenium. The little inch of skin running between my vagina and my anus. How could rubbing something the size of a birthday candle help me in labor? The flyer, which opened, of course, with the obligatory spile, mommy and daddy love each other very much, said that daddy should massage and finger the vaginal opening until he could put more and more of his fingers inside, relaxing the vaginal muscles through such caress until he might be able to press a small orange or even his whole hand into mommy's opening. Never fucking heard of that. His whole hand? I called up one of my friends who has the breadth of experience as both a mother of two and a retired porn star. Is perineal... <laughs> uh, I know whoever's listening out there knows what the fuck I'm trying to say. Massage really fist-fucking, I asked her. Of course, she said laughing, and it really helps. I could see why immediately a hand going inside my pussy is a little like a baby's head trying to move outside into the world. How exciting. For the first time, I felt a surge of confidence about my chances for a successful labor. Since I had practiced fisting, clearly I was in great shape for the real thing. I'm tired of saying this fucking word I can't pronounce. Perineal, perineal, perineal massage is not discussed in every hospital 
or prenatal setting. Most couples and their care providers are steeped in the dominance of penis-vaginal intercourse. It requires a different sort of orientation to devote attention to the possibilities of fingers and hands. But with a little encouragement and a flyer with pictures in plain English, I think more parents would enjoy the intense relaxation and vulnerability that comes with fisting or or arranging, arranging, if you prefer. I pestered my teacher for three weeks about whether she thought using a vibrator during labor would be helpful for pain relief. She said each time that we would discuss it next week. Srimek recommended all sorts of other distractions and exercises, going to the bathroom frequently, changing positions, getting in the bathtub, focusing on a special, bleh, focusing on a special object, etc., well, I decided on my own that my Hitachi magic wand was going to be my focus object. I believe that stimulating my clit would be a nice counterpoint to the contractions going on inside my belly. I have a great photograph of me in the delivery room, dilated to 6 centimeters with a blissful look on my face and my vibrator nestled against my pubic bone. I had no thought of climaxing, but the pleasure of the rhythm on my clit was like sweet icing on top of the deep, thick contractions in my womb. I would have been too tired and distracted to touch myself with my fingers at that point, and the power cord was just one of a one the power cord was just one of about ten that the doctors had coming from my bed. Due to my baby's unusual breech position, I had a complicated birth that finally ended in an emergency cesarean. But I had a great labor. I bet, since she used a vibrator. My friend Barbara confessed to me after her first child that she had never been so turned on in her life. When the baby's head was crowning, she called out to her husband over and over, I want to come. Touch me. Please touch me. And he thought she was hysterical. He's probably fucking embarrassed. We are utterly unaccustomed to seeing birthing as a sexual experience. A lot of us think of childbirth as something close to death. At least that's what I was afraid of. I heard women screaming in the rooms next to me at the hospital, and I knew those screams weren't exclusively from physical pain, but from wild, wild fear. It's terribly frightening when you don't know what your body is doing, and when your sexuality is divorced from the incredible process. Being afraid makes the pain much worse and makes your stamina unknowledgeable. Unknowable. Unknowledgeable. Anyways, there was a traffic jam of births at the city hospitals the week I had my daughter. It was about nine months after the big earthquake hit San Francisco, and apparently staying home had been a fertile pastime during that otherwise sobering period. The other women who had children the day and night I was in the hospital did not appear to have husbands at their sides. It was easy for me to imagine their stories. They were single. They were lesbians. They had husbands who didn't want to see them that way. They had husbands who had left them earlier in their pregnancies. They had husbands in the service and far away. I didn't read a single parenting book that reflected any of these lives, although they are commonplace as conception itself. The fractured fairy tale, Mommy and Daddy Love Each Other Very Much, is only resonant in the sense that parents need to be loved and nurtured because they are about to give of themselves in a way that they never dreamed possible before. If the mother doesn't receive tenderness and passion during her nine months, the bitterness she develops lasts, well, beyond childbirth. 
Her kids will know all about it. Perhaps I could encourage childbirth professionals to advocate good sex during pregnancy as a key to psychologically healthy children. After the birth, you will get doctor's instructions to abstain from sex for the next six weeks. We've all heard the women who say, who says, I don't care if I don't have sex for the next six years. But if her pussy is so sore, why can't she enjoy oral sex? Her breasts are leaking colostrum, ready to start expressing milk, and they need to be sucked by someone who knows about sucking breasts. Babies don't always get the hang of it instantly, or at mom's command. The truth is, this six-week rule is arbitrary and arbitrary, and it's based on the fear of an infection resulting from a man's ejaculating inside the vagina. There's a lot more to sex than this. Nothing magic happens at the end of six weeks. Not everyone's OS and vaginal... Vaginal. Here we go again with the vaginal. Vaginal pass away. <laughs> Passageway are in the same condition after birth. Having had a cesarean, mine had not been through a full-blown vaginal birth. Without knowing exactly what risk I was taking, but knowing that the doctor didn't know what he was talking about either. I came home from the hospital and made love on the sixth day after my daughter was born. I've spoken with many women who admit, admitted the same. My husband and I had waited so long for this child, said my nurse practitioner midwife, who had a child after she was 40, that we had to be intimate right away. I appreciated her using the word intimate because I don't think it's the case that you just have this wild hair to get it Get it on once the baby is born. You want a closeness, a release, and a celebration that you haven't necessarily experienced during labor. My midwife also told me that she started asking her patients how soon after childbirth they had resumed intercourse. Lots of people break the rules, as you can imagine, and she found that women who had intercourse earlier or also resume periods much sooner than who's... God, I can't even talk anymore. Than who, those who waited... This little discovery from a professional who wouldn't ordinarily tell me such things reminded me again how little we know because no one shares taboo information. Nursing is another source of mixed feelings, erotic and otherwise. One woman winces in pain from chapped and bleeding nipples, while other has orgasms from her baby suckling. Again, if these things were brought out in the open, a lot of nipple soreness would disappear. Breastfeeding does not come instinctively, and it helps to have someone show you as well as tell you how to nurse comfortably. I was satisfied just to nurse my baby uh, competently. My erotic feelings came not so much from my baby sucking as from feeling my breasts express themselves at other times. Sexual arousal will make your breasts leak when you're lactating. Another important fact, missing in most parents' parent books, Jesus Christ, as much as I have lectured on G-spot orgasms, I had never had anything come out of me when I was making love before, and this made my head swim with embarrassment at first and then arousal. I've always been one of those women who could be secretive about her climax. I would come without crying out. I would be very sneaky. Having my nipples not just stiffen, but release milk like a faucet every time I was turned on took me for a very unprivate loop, but I loved rubbing it on my lover's chest 
or my own. I felt some feminine equivalent of vir- virility, vir- virility, virility, <laughs> making the biggest wet spot of them all. This was the very opposite of being hooked up to the electric breast pump, which made me feel like a working cow. Handy, but totally unerotic. It would be unfair to conclude the erotic disposition of pregnancy without talking about changes in sexual fantasies. Our fantasies often seem to be written in stone at an early age and are not too easily transformed in our adult years. But having a baby is the next big hormone explosion a woman can have after puberty. And she may surprise herself with what comes to mind at the moment of orgasm. I did. In retrospect, I see that my fantasy life during my pregnancy was cathartic, 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 (laughs) whatever. One of my biggest and most irrational reservations about having a child, besides fearing what I would die in, that I would die in childbirth, was that if I had a boy, I wouldn't know how to raise him. I would be a disaster, whether teaching him how to use a toilet or to fly a kite. Petty sexual stereotypes aside, I didn't know what little boys were like. I have no brothers, was raised by my mom, and always preferred dresses. I am a single parent, but I had conversations with the father of my kid now and then during my pregnancy. He was concerned that I was planning a politically correct dress code for the young one. If it's a girl, I suppose you'll always make her wear pants, he pouted. Oh no, I said, if I have a little girl, I'm going to make sure she has the frilliest, laciest, puffiest dresses you ever saw, remembering the kind of dresses I always wanted. And if it's a little boy, he started. Of course, I interrupted. He'll have the frilliest, laciest, puffiest. My teasing was just a cover. I really didn't know what little boys were supposed to wear. One night, I was making love with my friend, John, and I imagined that he was my son. I came like a rocket, and I didn't have the nerve to tell him about about it for weeks. In the meantime, I could not get this image out of my mind. I recalled a really tacky porn movie I had seen years ago, Taboo, where beautiful mom Kay Parker has a son in real life, a growing up actor named Mike Ringer, who only has eyes for her. I wasn't aroused by the movie the first time I saw it, but now this scene could turn me on instantly. I couldn't masturbate or make love to anyone man or woman, without conjuring up this incestuous exchange. At the same time, while making my plans for the baby and talking to friends and family, I was noticeably more at ease about having a boy child. I didn't know what sex my baby was, and unlike so many other moms, I didn't want to know. I started noticing mothers with their sons on the street, and I didn't panic. I smiled at them. Somebody gave me a book on how to be a dad, with all sorts of fabulous hints on butch activities from skipping stones to throwing a ball. I read the whole thing and thought it was a blast. I asked all my friends how many of them had fathers who did any of these things, and our answers shed a lot of light on our gender points of view. When my team of doctors finally pulled Aretha from my womb... (laughs) They were exuberant. It's a girl, somebody said. I was shaking very badly from the anesthesia, but this warm little yoke of feeling spilled in my head, and tears of relief came to my eyes. I was so pleased to have a daughter. When I came home and had my first chance to fantasize, something sleep deprivation cut into a quite a bit. I could not for the life of me conjure up my imaginary son. He had split. 
My incest fantasy had expressed my fear of having a boy, and when that possibility disappeared, the fantasy lost its magic. I don't know what would have happened to my fantasy if I had indeed come home with a son. I think I would have moved on, just as I did after Aretha's birth. Two new sets of anxieties, which became fresh erotic fodder. Fodder. Now I fantasize about being pregnant again, talk about kinky. In reality, I have no desire to be eating soda crackers for a month and having to go to the bathroom every 10 minutes for the next half year. But I do have glowing memories of the sexual discoveries I made during pregnancy, and I'm grateful I had a sexually loving and inquisitive support system around me. If the whole process could be like that, well, maybe I'd have another one. I tell myself when my daughter is old enough to change the diapers. The motherfucking end. Well, that was fucking interesting. Mind you, I've had two children and I have not experienced any of those things that woman had said. But everyone's different. Maybe one of you listeners out there have experienced something like that. If you're not too shy to come and talk about it, you definitely should. Because that is something that you don't hear every day. Um, yeah, like, I mean, I have not heard anything like that before. So that's different. Like a lot of the stuff. I can't really, like, get into specifics, but there's quite a few things in there that I'm just like, what the fuck? And I like how she named her kid Aretha. Aretha. Because it just reminds me of Yoretha. Yoretha. I can't even fucking say the word. But yeah, fucking weird. Um, so yeah. Um, <laughs> shit. I don't even know what to say about that fucking story. Um, egg story. Sorry, I just wrote some shit down. I don't even know. Anyways, you hear a little crackling. Don't be alarmed. It's some technical difficulties over here. Um, like I said before, there was no real plan for this episode. So, um... Not sure how many of you men out there listening are going to even stick around to listen to this whole whole episode. Um, if you do, cool. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you listeners are dads. So, I mean, even if you want to come on the show and talk about your experience that you had um, with, you know... Um, your baby mama currently or past you totally should um because it's nice to be able to relate to other people or share stories like this one that people have never fucking heard before um like i mean you can get off on fucking spraying milk all over each other and just rubbing it all over your bodies i mean you know, to each their own. And I guess, you know, this lady talking about if she had a son and how some 
taboo porn thing she watched how the son was obsessed with her like turned her on and that got her off that's just fucking not my forte at all (laughs) i can't get behind that one but you know what as long as it's only a motherfucking fantasy because fucking i'll be fucking damned if anybody is molesting children which i've said a lot on this podcast all right so i don't want this episode to be too long um it's gonna be short and sweet um i fuck let's see let me go through my long list of songs and make sure that I'm not going to repeat a song because I try to give you guys new songs all the time. A lot of them end up being squared because I go with the first song if I don't plan it at the top of my head. Let's see. Which, fuck it. Alright, we're going to do another squared song because this song has been stuck in my damn head all day today. Um, and, sorry, writing it down. But wait, I'm not going to even, like, get to the part where I'm going to introduce the song yet. Because I always end up talking at the end instead of just fucking (laughs) announcing the song and then just playing it. So, before I get into that, um, there is a show coming up. September fucking 16th in 10 days, I do believe. Let me look. And forgive me, people. This is the only one that I really know right now because it's fucking my husband's band. So, of course, you know, I know this fucking show. Um, I am going to start getting back and announcing shows on the podcast, but I don't know how many listeners are even listening to this anymore because I've taken a break for so long, and I'm sure there's a lot of episodes that people aren't catching because not everybody wants to hear about sex or bands or whatever, you know. There's a a wide variety of different type of people that listen to my podcast, So that's why I like it to be a wide variety of topics because I am into a wide variety of things. So I ain't trying to get bored either. Anyways, still trying to look at this fucking, hold on guys, please forgive me. (laughs) I got to go on Facebook and look up this show so I can tell you exactly who's going to be there. Um, what the fuck? I don't know. Facebook's turning a big old fucking porn site, apparently. Um, Jesus fucking Christ. Is it this week or next weekend? I think it's next weekend. Anyways, I know TV tragedy is going to be at the Yucca. And I do believe it's on Friday. I want to say the 16th. But I could be wrong. I just would like to see, like, exactly who's supposed to be there. 
I may or may not be there, guys. Let's see. Um, here we go. Found it. So we got Black Mountain Moonshine, and that's their album release show. And it's going to be TV Tragedy, Reason Unknown, and Shame Hole. Um, if you like my podcast, you'll definitely love Shame Hole. Um, check them out, because they ain't got no shame in their game. And that was fucking the cheesiest fucking thing ever. But, yeah, they sing about fucking funny and awesome shit. Um, I've actually played one of their songs on a past episode, but y'all should check them out. Um, trying to see. I know it wasn't that long ago. Or was it? The time just fucking flies. Damn. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly when I played it. Anywho, check out Shamehole, TV Tragedy, and Black Mountain Moonshine, and Reasons Unknown. Check them all out, because they are all great fucking musicians. Alright. Um, yeah, that's all. That's all I got. So, here is the song that you're going to fucking hear that's been stuck in my head all day, and maybe it'll get stuck in your head. And this is Gotta Get Bob to Jail by Squared. Gotta get Bob to jail, it's been five days since he skipped his bail, and got a DUI, and now he's facing time. Gotta get Bob to jail, gotta get Bob to jail, gotta get Bob to jail, gotta get Bob to jail. Charges? No! 